Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, how we doing? It's Connor here, introducing you to another Nigel Awards special. Now, today, I think it's very fitting that I actually introduce today's episode as we're looking back at some of the best Connor Explains moments. And there's been some great ones. Enjoy. Do you know what um, pollen grains are created through? Do you know what the process is called? I do not know. Plant sex. Pretty much, it's um. We're going to do this again. M e i o s i s meiosis. 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 That's what it's called. Uh, so during which cells divide and grow in number, and then I've put here in italics, sexy time within plants within the world of plants. Nice, you... nice. Yeah, just make it really clear for yourself. Sexy okay. plant. Sexy plant. Sexy time. But do you remember what the M word that Mark just said is that meiosis. Great. Okay, so it's worked. Yeah, but sexy time with plants is sexy time with yourself. With plants. Um, what? Explain. Because plants... What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, well, plants are hermaphrodites. Hermaphrodites, yeah. 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 So they produce <laughs> sperm and eggs. So, oh, sorry. So you're saying... So they're having sexy time with themselves. With their, oh, I thought you meant with yourself. I thought, yeah. what, 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 you what me and a daffodil having it off? Th- that's, no. that's, that's what you made it sound like. Yeah. God, I do love those daffs. Interesting you went for a daffodil. Yeah, something attractive about the daffs. Could have gone for a tulip. Yeah, I was thinking tulip. Or a lily. I was once with a lily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, harsh times, bad times. Um. Anyway, Did you so to feed her every three days. On with the pod. So <laughs> the grains of pollen are often located in little pollen sacks. They call them. Um, I love that you're laughing at the word sack. Oh, it's funny. It's, it's, it's Plant right. sexy time when I well, said the word sack. I'm just gonna fry it out there because I need to just get this, get this my chest. I really imagined little plants with arms and legs having sexy time. That was where I was at with themselves. Well, yeah, because yeah. That, this is before I realised it was on their own. And then I just, my head went into a whole different stratosphere. And yeah. So little pollen sacs um, on the ends of the stamen, which is the male part of the flower. Stamen. Stamen, it? which typically surround the carpal, which is the female part of the flower. So basically the stamen is the penis and the carpal is the vagina. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So pollen is a sperm delivery system. Okay. <laughs> brilliant i love this sexy time with plants isn't that great yeah i just i'm wondering at what level you're gonna stop this strange comparison into a friday night friday night a friday night in essex comparing it to these plants yeah so pollen is a sperm delivery system pollen so you've got sperm in your lung yeah but it's pollen right so if a pollen grain gets lucky 
in quotation marks. I had to keep that from the web. That that was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That is, if it gets lucky. It meets the flowers or cones of its species. It germinates, creating little tubes that deliver the sperm to the oval, which is the female gametophyte. <laughs> you, you couldn't make that word into a sexual innuendo, no? <laughs> as far as I'm aware right now, a plant is having sexy time of itself. Things are happening and it's in your lungs making you cough. So I'm thinking... DNA. When did you do this at school? Was this, was this, key, stage, was this key stage two or three? Was this year five yeah. or six? Yeah. So... Do we need? I don't remember it being explained to me in terms of plant sexy time. Well, there's a reason. Do we need to pick every Connor explains to get you on board to get you excited? With do we need to pick every subject, thinking of whether it can be weirdly manipulated into a sex talk? Okay, so how do you make babies when a man and woman love, love each, each other, other very much, much or just happen to get nicely. too drunk and forget to do anything about it? Yeah, so that is sexy time. Uh, yeah, I understand. Right, so most things have to have that kind of. <laughs> Situation. I don't, think, I don't think that creates a baby. Why are you scissoring? Um, <laughs> but the plant does it with itself. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I just, look, we've done a few Connor Explains now. A year, 18 months of them. I have never known you to be more excited than talking about pollen. I loved it. I've even bolded stuff and italic other stuff that I thought was good. Pollen. Pollen. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so what, it. So what is pollen? Pollen. Yeah. Without mentioning plant sexy time at all, sperm. What is it? No, without... sperm of a plant. Right. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. The the things that they throw into the air for itself to try and reproduce with itself. Right. Understand that? Yeah. Great. Sure. This is on YouTube as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. So do... without pollination, yeah. plants will not produce seeds or fruit, and the next generation of plants, little baby plants. Yeah. Without pollination, it's a long, cold shower. So for, for us tumor. humans, pollination is important. Because it is how food is produced for you vegans. Well, and everyone. <laughs> and you, mostly. Plant-based. Yeah. Kind of. Sex time. <laughs> With plants. Pollen. Done. We're going to have a little chat about hair colour. Mark's favourite. I mean, it's, it's a subject that's close to my heart. Fantastic. So if you've just joined us, we uh, all, all three of us have, have got, I would say, quite different hair colours. Connor usually goes for a... What would you describe? It's it's just a, a standard brown, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of like a mousy. I always thought I was blonde, but I'm not anymore. I'm like a mousy kind of brown. Yeah, I'm 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 with you there. Uh, I when I was young, I had brilliant blonde hair. I thought I'd be strawberry blonde. Now it's descended to brown. I occasionally dye it. Mark's hair, though, let me describe it. Um, have you ever had those crisp watsits? Yeah, like like those, like a nice dusty, cheesy, carroty crisp that's mark's big old ginger bond mark kind of resembles the tips of your fingers when you've been eating what's it you know you have that orange coating very very specifically uk show today i mean we could just be very not we could just be nice to mark here and just go mark has ginger hair it's not that hard for people to imagine without you going oh you imagine eating a bag of what's it's which is also a very British reference. Well, and also we talked about Key Stage 2 earlier on, so we mm. re- really are, really are bang on our American audience. I'm just thinking, imagine the most ginger person you know, then for another British restaurant, then dye even redder like it's Red Nose Day. There you go, Mark. What, what have we got? Uh, you're, you would say, you've have you always been ginger? Has it affected your life much? Uh, yes, I have always been ginger. And I can't say it stops me doing things. Any inadequacies I have in life tend to be down to me rather than down to my hair. I would say it's, 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 I would say your personality is a very ginger middle manager personality. You know what I mean? I have absolutely no idea what to use. 
please explain. Like quite fastidiously hot on the rules, like realised from an early age you need to be funny and a bit self-deprecating, but also to, to keep people in line. Otherwise, you were just going to be trampled on like, like a, again, like a little what's it. I'll be honest, I heard you say that it was funny and I zoned out because I thought that was great. Mark? And anything else after that was going to be downhill. So Mark, I just stopped there. Mark? Yes, Connor? You happy I picked this one for Connor Explains this week, mate? I mean, it depends depends where we're going with it. But no. I mean, at the moment, I'm interested. There's genuine interest there. However, I'm fairly certain we aren't going to go as deep as I want to know. But, you know, fire off. Go for. So hair colour is obviously an important aspect of how people define themselves and how people define them based on the three-minute conversation we just had. That is very understandable in, in, in that moment, how we define somebody. I mean, we've just compared Mark to a what's it. So uh, specific hair colours have become associated with various personality traits. Hair colour actually doesn't tell us a lot about personality, no, although it can affect how we are perceived or treated by other people due to social stereotypes. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's what we've gone through. And people people got to make their way in the world when they're young, if they've got a certain hair colour, because maybe they're called certain things and, and the way that they're treated kind of affects everything. It's a big old nurture system, isn't it? What affects our hair colour though, Connor? Well, so before we get into what affects our hair colour, the kind of way people are treated and the way people define themselves comes from like the idea of somebody who's got blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, the kind of model appearance creates confidence. That's a good example of that. Somebody with dark hair, dark features, you know, a dark beard. No, Dan, that does not appeal to you. Um, it, I've got blonde hair and blue eyes. I can't. I don't, I don't think you're, you're blonde. I wouldn't really go there. I'd probably go like sort of shitty blonde. But yeah, yeah so point. yeah, fair point. Um, so yeah, so people have blonde hair, blue eyes and those dark features that we all seem to see as attractive uh, due to social stereotypes, hold their self with confidence. And then you have the marks of the world, which I mean, Mark, what was it like at six years old and, you know, at school and... I mean, six is fine because at six you don't really notice. It's as you go through, you know, the team. Oh, everyone else noticed. Every, everyone else noticed. And, 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 and I mean, I, I feel like they had my best interest at heart. They constantly wanted to make sure that I knew that my hair was ginger, just in case I was unsure and it would one day come as a shock to me. Yeah, Plenty of, of people just made sure that I knew. So thank you to all those people. Just make, you know, you don't want to just suddenly have a shock that your hair color is ginger. So the more other people can tell you, the easier it is on you. Yeah, I think all ginger kids get reminded that they're ginger. I, I, I understand that completely. It definitely happened at my school. Um, but yeah, your hair colour and why you're ginger is determined by the amount of pigment called melanin in hair. So an abundance of one type of melanin called eumelanin gives people black or brown hair and an abundance of another pigment called femelanin gives people red hair. This one, just make it simple. Just needs to be simple, doesn't it? How Things dare scientists use scientific words? Yeah. God. What would you like it to be called, Connor? I think you could just call it, you know, uh, type of stuff called hair stuff. And if you get more than right, okay, hair stuff, yeah, yeah, something simple. Uh, anyway, so black is a large amount of eumelanin. Uh, brown is a moderate amount of eumelanin. Blonde is a very little eumelanin. And red, here we go, is mostly femelanin with a little eumelanin. Right, so what to... T- I'll be honest. I don't want to get bogged down in specific chemicals. Just and, a little and, pot. And, and things. Just a little pot of stuff. A th- little pot of stuff. It's like a little mixture. A little bit of paint in your jeans. Yeah, correct. and Mark's what, went a bit wrong. What, well, what determines how much of those melanins and those pigments get given into our hair? Well, obviously it's genes, isn't it? And, it, you know, it's to do with two people that 
have sexy time and create children. Um, and it's about how much they've got of each and how that combines. So there's a certain type of hair color that creates ginger people, um, ginger children, like little Mark there. Um, it's like, but, but it can also be a little bit unexpected sometimes. So usually half the time, if you have a parent that's ginger, you will come out as a ginge. Well, that's interesting. Is that true, Mark? Your parents, they both what to Ed's? Uh, my dad was, my mum wasn't, but she does come from a Scottish family. So there's definitely the ginger gene. So as far as I'm aware, the ginger gene is a recessive gene. So that's why there's not a lot of us. Because both the mum and the dad need to have uh, that gene within their DNA. I think so. I've got cousins who are strikingly ginger. Um, Both tried to dye your hair, but I know what you're doing. Their parents aren't really ginger. So I was wondering if it was one of those things where it does take a little leap over generations at points. Uh, It can do. It all depends on who has the recessive gene. I love they the fact as they go along, don't they? I love the fact that Mark has given us a really great answer to Dan saying that his parents are what's it heads. That kind of skimmed over his head quite quickly. Yeah, I just kind of skimmed over that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stomach rumbling. Okay. Why it rumbles? Why does it rumble, Connor? Well, it's a little bit sometimes maybe because you're hungry, but it's also other things for it too. It actually links quite well with the old IBS. Connor has IBS. Connor has IBS. But it bloody well works when it comes out the other end. <laughs> so you ever had a rumbling stomach and done a fart and you haven't really expected it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, and then you fart and you feel better. Yeah, it's just right. a bit of trap wind, isn't it? Yeah. Well, a bit of trap wind, yeah, whatever it could be. So, um, so yeah, go on. stomach growling is actually the, the, the proper term for it. And it occurs because liquid, food, and gas go through the stomach and small intestine. Stomach growling or rumbling is a normal part of digestion. No need to worry. Okay, no need to be too concerned about it. There is nothing in the stomach to muffle these sounds. So they're just really, really noticeable. Among the causes are hunger, incomplete digestion, or indigestion. They're the main causes of your old stomach rumbling. So it's just, it's just normal digestion, but it's hollow, it's empty. So it, it rumbles and it, it makes the noises that you hear. So is that why you hear it more when you're hungry? Because there's nothing in your stomach? There's nothing in that. So it's, it's like it's a basic sound science, really, isn't it? If you put things inside, it absorbs sound more. If it's empty, then it moves around there. It's like the stomach. There's nothing in there to help that sound be sort of trapped within it. It just, it just bounces and, and makes all sorts of noises, which... Mine go crazy when I've had an Indian. Basic sound science. What about when you feel like the stomach pain when they rumble? When you're so hungry that it's hurting? I'll probably say cut out some gluten, Dan, maybe. Maybe cut down on your carbs. Maybe make a diary of your food intake, mate, because stomach pain is never good. No, but this is, you know, you know when, you're, when you're hungry and it's hurting? Oh, I'm really hungry. I'm so hungry, it's hurting. It's because naturally you are really hungry. That is exactly it. Your stomach is empty. It hurts. You know, it's like anything. If you've got sound that's moving around, lots of pressure and not nothing within it, you know, it's, it's your body's way of telling you this is really empty and we need to put food in it. Lots of scientists have come out and gone, if you have a rumbling stomach, you need to eat food. That is your body's way of telling you, like sometimes when you have blurry vision and you need to drink water because you're dehydrated. You've got a rumbling stomach. Don't ignore it. Eat some bloody food because your stomach needs it. Connor, this might be the perfect time for you to yeah. reveal that IBS is a hoax. It doesn't exist. IBS is not real. 
No, I know that. Any, I know that it's it's an it's just a word that is used to describe stomach pain. That's it's just food not agreeing with you. Yeah, it's, it's, but I no, I don't even think people go to the toilet more. I think it's all a nanny state. They're just seeking attention. I feel like Connor's poo palace would well, disagree. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to put you in the IBS world, but okay. Um, peristalis, 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 sis. Any idea what that word is, guys? Uh, no, just, I, well, I, capital of Paris, isn't it? Yeah. Capital of France, even. There, there he goes, Adam. There. Peristalis, right? Which is a series of wave-like muscle contractions that helps the food to move further into the digestive tract after indigestion. That concept of wave-like muscle contractions is the answer to your question, Dan. That is what causes you your pain, your muscle contractions. It's, it's what causes pain when you're on an empty stomach. Well, there you go. So, and also, 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 because this was interesting. A common misconception is that a growling stomach means you're hungry, right? That's what we think. We think, oh, we're hungry. But this isn't always the case. There is something else. As a matter of fact, the growling, gurgling, and rumbling sounds you hear are coming from the small intestine or colon, not actually your stomach sometimes too. So it comes from those areas, which is completely separate to the fact you're actually hungry. I feel like you're, you know, one of your peak areas of interest and expertise is actually the stomach and the small intestine. I'll be completely honest with you, all jokes aside, I've been through a fair share of stomach issues. We laugh about it, we joke about it, and I'm happy to. But I've been through my fair share. I've got quite good knowledge on the old stomach area. But fantastic. So I, I just I just think, is there anything else knocking around? We're only running at five minutes at the moment. How are we gonna how are we gonna expand this? What do you mean? Is there anything else knocking around? Well, we could talk maybe a little bit more about your dietary issues, because you're telling me you've got stomach pain and rumbling at the same time. So what are you putting in your body, Dan? What isn't agreeing with you at that I enjoy time? how this has gone from Connor Tofu, I was to too. Connor doesn't have enough to explain, so instead Connor's gonna advise. Uh, we're gonna look into the golden age of piracy. A wonderful little suggestion from young Daniel. So so that's today's topic. Right, so I got at absolutely fascinated by Blackbeard a few months ago and I'll tell you why I just finished playing the pirate edition of the Assassin's Creed uh, game series now I am an absolute sucker for playing about 40% of those games then like immersing myself in the era that it is reading all I can watching all I can and then kind of giving up and forgetting everything so I would say about six months ago Connor I'd have been able to blast out this Connor explains on my own but it's all gone it's one ear out the other so I'm delighted to learn more well I, I, I do think that your research versus my research are two very different worlds I think you probably agree with that Mark maybe sure. Dan explaining is a little bit different to myself so I apologise already for that because you've, you've already one-upped me don't apologise I feel like Connor you explaining is a lot more bearable than Dan explaining yeah. can you imagine if we had 20 minutes where Dan was just allowed to talk oh, yeah okay yeah can you imagine I would I would learn a lot but yeah I, I get what you're saying it would it would be tough. Suddenly it's a crime to be educating. Suddenly no one wants to learn a lot. Uh, so, Connor, what is the golden age of... That, that's not the issue. That is not the issue. Yeah, it would, be, it would be a struggle for me because I would both want to tell you something but also ridicule you for the fact you don't already know it. So, you know, these things go hand in hand. Um, Connor, what, what was the golden age of piracy? Well, I already had an issue with the name of it, just to put that out there. I'm starting with that. The golden age of piracy makes it sound like it was a wonderful period of time, you know? Golden age, like the golden age of Arsenal Football Club. Make a note of the date. May the 15th, 2004. 
History has been made. Well, the wonder years of West Ham. Audio not found. The golden age of piracy makes it sound like it was a good time in the world. Quickly, can you, can, you is... think, can you think of any other good times that aren't specifically related to London football clubs? No, unfortunately I can't. But the golden age of piracy uh, wasn't a good thing. It sounds like a good thing. Uh, it was between 1650 and 1730, around about those dates. Um, so yeah, the golden age of piracy is what it says in the title, when piracy was rife. It was through the roof. All of the big boys were playing, weren't they, Dan? Uh, yeah, apparently. So talk to me about the piracy. Is this knockoff DVDs, that kind of thing? Well, it's funny because when you said the golden age of piracy, I did actually I did actually think to myself, first off, is he talking about a time in like the early noughties where pirate DVDs were through the roof? So straight into your brain came that message that you would get whenever you bought a DVD back then, which was you would not steal a car. You would not steal a handbag. It's the same. Why would you steal a movie? So we've learned that that's not what it is. It refers to something different. What does it refer to? Yeah, so just a li- li- little understanding. So it was during the eighteenth set. Uh, so it was during the eighteenth century. Uh, it was the highest number ever of pirates freely sailing the open seas, uh, and they basically threatened any vessel that they could come across. Um, this was, of course, known as the Golden Age of Piracy. Um, so basically, many ships travelling the popular trade routes of the day were pretty much attacked by pirates. Uh, during the Golden Age, you could take a good bet that any trade ships travelling through any of the popular trade routes would probably be getting attacked. So I think it was very much a case of really planning as a, as a trader where you were going because if you went down a certain part of the sea, you were probably going to get attacked. Um, so late 17th, early 18th century, who were the big, yep. who were the big players at the time? Who were your big, your, the big boys? So, so there was thousands and thousands and thousands of pirates. Like when it says the golden age, like we're not talking about a couple of boats. It was rife. The seas were covered in it, land as well. It, it was very, very heavy with with pirates. Um, and uh, a lot of the famous pirates, you may have heard of some. I'd only heard of one, which was Blackbeard, obviously, who was the most fearsome pirate, apparently. Um, also, Henry Morgan, uh, William Captain Kidd. Uh, you also had Kalich. Henry Morgan is such a boring pirate name. Yeah. Sorry, Connor, just to interrupt there. Got Blackbeard and then Henry Morgan. I know what? Henry Morgan. I think Blackbeard had a very boring name as well. Yeah, Ed- Edward Teach. Edward Teach. That was it. And was he was he Cornish or something like that? Do you know? Yeah, that? he was Cornish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is look at my research there. Just finishing off Dan's sentences. I'm getting better at this. Well, finishing uh, off being of... being listening to what I said him going. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack. Actually, it's quite funny this because all the names are pretty bog standard. Jack Rackham. He sounds like a dodgy fella down the pub. And uh, Bartholomew. Bartholomew Roberts. Sorry, Bartholomew. How did Bartholomew. you struggle with that? Yeah, Bartholomew. Bartholomew. <laughs> and then uh, and then good old Edward Teach, who was known as the fearsome, the one, the only Blackbeard. So uh, just tell us a little bit more about where these pirates were found. I mean, were they knocking around the Bristol Channel or what? Bristol Channel. Yeah. Can you imagine it? Um, no. So uh, they, they were actually found in the Caribbean. That was where a lot of this was happening. Uh, it was in the Caribbean Seas. Um, which we'll lead on to later because they did end up abandoning that. But it was across Caribbean seas. I mean, there was a vast, like, huge amount of uh, area that they covered. 
um, just with thousands and thousands of people. Obviously, it's got. Do you know what? I kind of see it as like modern day gangs. This is basically what it is. They cover space. You know, like gangs that are on the streets. You have got people there. They cover all different areas. This is my corner. This is my turf. Get off my turf. I think it was very similar there. But you're in the sea, which makes you wonder. I mean, stuff that stuff that gangs do now is is quite obviously fairly horrific. Um, yeah. Do you reckon in like 300 years, people of the future will romanticise that in the same way that we romanticise pirates? Like instead of Pirates of the Caribbean, it'll be like, you know, gang warfare in East in East Ham or something Beckham. like that. Yeah. In North Croydon. Yeah. yeah, with like a like a Jack Sparrow. It could be like a uh, 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 like a like a Bob Wright. He's the lead. It's very sort of. <laughs> East London, and well, right. I think good, yeah. good, good, good name picking there. I would say you remember this as the day that you almost caught Bob Wright. Good name picking, yeah. Um, so anyway, Blackbeard, uh, he's the famous one. We'll focus on him for a bit. He terrorized the coast of North America and the Caribbean for two years. He was going for. Um, he he basically just took over hundreds and hundreds of ships, murdered thousands of sailors. Uh, and gained, uh, you know, the the, the the sort of title as the most feared pirate in the golden age of piracy. Um, they they were the one, he was the one that feared. When I, I tried to look into this kind of like being feared as a pirate, what, what does that mean? How do you kind of, how do people fear you? What, what does that change? It's going to kill you. Um, what, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? What does it mean to be feared? Like it means in, people are f- terrified of you. No, as in like, how can it kind of, impact you as a pirate what difference does it make you know if you're attacking realistically if a guy's running on a ship with a black beard a dodgy hat on probably quite rank breath and a sword in his hand you're pretty scared as you are let alone the name Blackbeard. do you know what i mean savvy happy there that you you managed to comment on the state of the hat because you are someone that enjoys a enjoys a nice cap and are you, are you not you're not a fan of the the passion get up the, the pirate get up not a fan at all. I'm not. I don't. I don't think it's a bit of me. I definitely wouldn't wear that on a Saturday night. No but, skinny um, jeans. No yeah. skinny jeans turns up. No. A lot of tattoos though. A lot of tattoos. Yeah. So Blackbeard being the most feared pirate basically means that if you see him attacking a ship, or if he was about to attack a ship, or he wanted a ship, you back off. That was pretty much what other pirates done. They just got out of the way and let him do his thing, or his squad of people. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> 